passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our WWE Payback Review. I'm John Pollock alongside waiting we are going to be diving into everything uh including payback but we will be getting to that subject uh later on in the program but thanks to everybody for joining us right off the bat we are going to be discussing cm punk who was officially terminated today by aew we're going to start off with the statement uh, that was put out uh late saturday afternoon uh, from All Elite Wrestling and Tony Khan announcing publicly that AEW has terminated the wrestler and employment agreements between Philip Brooks, CM Punk, and AEW with cause. Effective immediately, the termination was confirmed today by Tony Khan, CEO, general manager, and head of creative of AEW. The termination follows a week-long internal investigation of an incident occurring backstage at AEW All in London on Sunday, August 27th. Following the investigation, the AEW Discipline Committee met and later convened with outside legal counsel before making a unanimous recommendation to Khan that CM Punk be terminated with cause. Khan offered the following statement, quote, Phil played an important role within AEW, and I thank him for his contributions. The termination of his AEW contracts with cause is ultimately my decision and mine alone. Of course, I wish I didn't have to share this news, which may come as a disappointment to many of our fans. Nevertheless, I am making the decision in the best interests of the many amazing people who make AEW possible every week. Our talent, staff, venue operators, and many others whose efforts are unsung but essential to bringing our fans great shows on television and at arenas and stadiums throughout the world. End quote. And thus ends the CM Punk chapter with AEW. Does this end the saga of AEW? And Phil Brooks. Mm. In in that, I mean, do you expect some kind of recourse uh, from Phil oh, Brooks yeah. as a result from this? As in, this is not probably going to be the last time that this company and this individual are going to be attached to one another. This certainly reads as something that could have a, a legal element to it uh, coming out of this when you're talking about firing someone with cause and 
uh, and we will go into it as well. This was something that not only was the statement provided, uh, but Tony Khan opened the show. There was a cold open where he essentially reiterated this, although I would say in a more direct uh, language that he used. First, we should go in order. He addressed the live crowd at the United Center. He came out, sat on the stage, which I think whatever you want to state about this, this was a guy that certainly did not have to go to that measure knowing how he would be viewed going out into Chicago of all places and was largely booed, although he certainly by the end of that speech had had rallied some of the crowd behind him. But the key points of the two speeches, uh, both to the live audience and to the viewership at home, was that he had never experienced something at a wrestling show where he felt his his safety and security and even life had been in danger. And the fact that he had, again, received a unanimous decision from uh, legal outside counsel in addition to this discipline committee that is, uh, he did not say who comprises the this discipline committee. I would be curious, like who is he on said this that discipline? he said those they were mainly lawyers, lawyers, yes. lawyers but mm-hmm. not any specifics about who who is on this and and others that would be on it. Um, but anyway, he went out and he listen. He he took it all from from this audience, and I can certainly see that there are going to be a lot of people. It, there there is going to be a bad guy in all of this, and for many people, that bad guy is going to be Tony Khan. And we have said time after time. There is no easy solution here. Whatever choice you make, you are going to anger people. And for Tony Khan, it was either going to be continuing with what he perceives as just this was untenable at a a certain point. And the argument would be that like in any industry and professional wrestling being no different is that the star is going to be afforded every opportunity. And they felt that this was ultimately just something they they could not continue at this rate and it's astonishing when you look at the state that they are in and needing this saturday night program to get up and off the ground that they made this conclusion at at the end of the day it's it's going to have short-term ramifications for the company and it remains to be seen long term we might look back at this a year later and this was proven to be a something that needed to be done and in the long run this company was healthier or not, it, that remains to be seen. But short term, they will feel a sting from this. Oh, certainly, yeah. Um, I think it's shocking, maybe for that reason. Yeah, the fact that that you know collision is a thing, and the, that they're um, trying to build it, and they're trying to get uh, renegotiations to have it be, um, you know, a successful product. I think what makes this more surprising is the fact that um, it didn't happen a year ago. You know, like, I mean, there were repercussions um, to, to All Out last year, but I I felt like more action would have been taken at that time. And for me, I almost felt like if, you know, Punk can not just come back from All Out, but to um, receive a lot more power in the company as a result of it, I pretty much felt he was bulletproof and certainly didn't expect this level of action coming off of, you know, this Jack Perry incident. I think the the result of this entire thing, the termination, as well as uh, hearing Tony Khan's speeches um, today, lends me to believe that what they have evidence of, maybe what he saw with his own eyes, was like pretty damning for Punk, and and to the point where you know 
it it, it wasn't really deniable. Um, I am sure that like this, the big difference between this and last year is that the altercation last year, we did not have footage of it. And there mm-hmm. is footage of this. And fewer witnesses. Fewer witnesses last year. Many witnesses to this one. And mm-hmm. a new wrinkle to this is that this was not just a case of Punk and Jack Perry getting into some like scuffle. Like The way it was reiterated is that there were other people that were endangered by this. Backstage personnel. And if you have footage of that and you avoided something here and you end up bypassing this. And in the future, this comes up and somebody is injured in the line of work here because of something else. And you have a pre-existing incident that you turned a blind eye to or Mm -hmm. ignored. And this is caught on video. Um, What ramifications are you placing yourself in? If there's a, a backstage worker that gets in the middle of something and a camera falls on them, uh, like, a monitor. whatever equipment like you you don't know we don't know what the footage is that they're looking at and believe me if there was a lawsuit coming out of this it could very well be that that would be grounds for discovery like that video mm-hmm. would be the key evidence in all of this so i mean i i look at this and you can see punk feeling maybe he is the aggrieved party here you could also look at it the, the other way that there are others that would be um more than willing to testify to their own safety like we don't know how many other indirect people were affected by this beyond just the two principles that we know of. Sure. But when one of the eyewitnesses and maybe, you know, to a further extent, somebody um, who was seemingly directly involved, um, potentially directly involved, we actually don't know all the details, but we, we only know, you know, certain accounts. Um, and when I that person the footage had- also would have to somewhat, I would have to think it, it, very much exonerates Jack Perry because I would say like if this was 50 50 and other people were involved, I think he'd be gone too. And the fact he's not tells me this footage had to have been pretty bad for the punk side of things, because Mm -hmm. I would say, and believe me, I was, I was very negative against Jack Perry last week when we were talking about that line. And, uh, but regardless, like whatever this footage shows, they did not feel the need to uh, release Jack Perry. And I would say if both, if there was uh, blame, Across both, I think Jack Perry would have been expendable in this as well. Yeah, certainly there's blame to go towards Jack Perry, but was did you know like at least on the physical side, they must believe not so. And and so this is all based off of our assumption, based off of what we know to be facts, or or just maybe even certain reports. But yeah, like I I have to imagine the difference maker being um who who was the one to escalate this into physical violence, who was the one to escalate this into endangering the um, sort of safety of, of other people in, in the area um, for this pretty definitive move to occur from AEW. Because it would this lend us to think that punk, um, punk was largely responsible. If there is video footage of Perry initiating this, then punk has a wrongful termination um, defense. I mean, I would think that they are very the, the fact that they went to a legal, an outside legal counsel and every single one of that, that whatever counsel all said, you have to let this guy go. They said sure. It was a unanimous recommendation. But, you know, I mean, um, the, 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 I'm sure he would have some sort of argument, some sort of defense. I mean, you know, um, he could he could claim that he was prompted um you know or 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 through various other things again we don't know we don't even know like what what his next actions are but there's always some sort of legal recourse to come out of this i'm sure 
All right. At this point, uh, because he is a busy man tonight, we're going to bring in John Ceno because tonight we were watching Payback and I saw very, very little of Collision. So, John, first of all, uh, tell me tonight how much of a um, of a cloud was this over top of Collision, which, of course, was their first night at the United Center this weekend. Yeah, I mean, just watching the show, it definitely felt weird. You could tell the, the elephant was in the room for sure. But as far as like in-ring segments, I would say only the opening segment with Ricky Starks had a little bit of influence, as well as the ending segment that had um, the Young Bucks do a run-in at the very end that prompted uh, CM Punk chance. But First collision the, appearance for the Young Bucks. Yep, their collision debut. And it was as soon as they came out, they were booed. Um, CM Punk chance started. And to mm. end the show, they were still doing CM Punk chance. I saw footage from after the show where they kind of kept doing the, the chance until they left the ring. But the show itself started with a couple of CM Punk chants that I heard from live reports that it kind of got drowned out by Cole Cabana chance. Mm. But I'm guessing the show just started right after the the uh the speech from tony khan so i'm not sure if the crowd got to see the cold open that we got to see but they obviously got the um the live speech and that kind of went right into the show where we you could audibly hear cm punk chants in the very beginning but they weren't as loud as they were at the end of the show and that was pretty much where the punk chants were contained the beginning and end of the show it wasn't something like this was a crowd trying to overtake other elements of the show no, no, I didn't really hear much besides the opening and the ending. Uh, I know that Fightful reported that there was like CM Punk signs that were confiscated from the crowd. So at least we didn't see those in the crowd. And the only like visual significance or reference to CM Punk was when uh, FTR came out and uh, Cash Wheeler was in Dax Harwood's corner and he kind of threw up the X to kind of symbolize, um, you know, CM Punk. But other than that, there wasn't any sort of reference at all. Um, when the Young Bucks came out, Kevin Kelly did say a line saying, um, this is Collision. What is FT, uh, What is the Young Bucks doing here? So he kind of alluded to the fact that, you know, they're not supposed to be part of Collision. So that was pretty much it as far as, like, containing the the CM Punk to the show. What was Go your ahead, reaction Mike. overall to, um, you know, the way AEW handled the situation tonight? They definitely, like, didn't mention or tried not to mention. They were kind of, like, mostly building up to All Out, um, still off the hype of All In itself. Um, but it was really odd because you had that cold open from Tony Khan, but there was no reference to that. It was just, like, that was it. That was the only, like phil brooks um cm punk reference but the commentary didn't mention him um none of the wrestlers really mentioned you could tell ricky starks in the beginning as he was prompting his match for all out he did feel like he was kind of like thrown off by the crowd a little bit he kept kind of starting and restarting so i'm not sure if he was he looked visually frustrated from everything that was going on he kind of made it seem like he's been going through all this stuff and every time he has plans they kind of like get taken away from him so he kind of alluded to like possibly having the match with cm punk and not happening but it did transition to something else um but other than that yeah there wasn't really any sort of reference to cm punk at all and just a note here jake says he's actually at the arena the live card did not see the cold open from tony it went straight to the intro i actually have the full cold open if you want me to to read it here word for word i have it um it, it it's okay we 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 do have like the um the 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 speech here and for those that were in the arena i mean you pretty much got an extended version of the cold open of what yeah, he, it was, pretty much it was like, like a 6 minute version or or so that he gave to the arena so it's not like the cold open they hid anything uh, language wise if anything you got more of um i i would i would say you got the most um I, I mean how would you describe tony khan in the version to the live crowd john um that you've you've gotten to see because it was certainly um you know tony khan is not always the most like polished public speaker and he was out there and you could tell like he was listen he went out there and he had to pretty much take the bullets for this decision that he made and it was a crowd that was going to be pretty anti tony khan in the in this moment but how did you feel uh he came across yeah it was definitely something that i don't think tony khan 
was prepared to do or expected to do. He even like sat down in the chair, which he's never done before. Usually he's up there on his feet, kind of getting the crowd into it. But he sat down and you could tell he was taking his time with it. He stopped and started as well when he heard the chants and the boos and everything. So you could tell he was definitely thrown off by it. But he, I think towards the end of it, he, he got the crowd a little bit behind him when he started kind of bringing up like his fandom for wrestling and how much he loves wrestling and this and that. He kind of, he did a really good job at the end turning the crowd to his favor. But in the beginning, um, you, the boos were there and he was definitely thrown off by it. It was definitely tough for him, you would think. Well, we're going to get all your thoughts on Collision with uh, Kate from Montreal, so you can go uh, check that out on the Post Wrestling Cafe uh, later on tonight. Um, But last question, John, what do you, once this story really sits overnight, there's going to be so much reaction to it. Do you expect a similar crowd tomorrow night at All Out? Do you think that they're going to just be focused on the show? I would say certainly the FTR Young Bucks match. If there's one match that audience is going to be uh, vociferous during, that would probably be the match. Yeah, that match is going to be really intriguing because towards the end, when the Young Bucks came out, they obviously were booed. They were CM Punk chants, and they tried to extend their hands to FTR, but FTR just left them hanging and left the ring. So they're definitely like they're showing some sort of animosity towards those two teams. So I think that's going to be really interesting how it's going to reflect tomorrow. But if it, if tonight was any significance of the boos that Young Bucks are going to get tomorrow, I think it's only going to be times 10 honestly and um probably throughout the night i feel like we might get a little bit more once like the news has sunk in because a lot of this crowd might not have actually like known what was going on i know like people leaving from starcast definitely like got the heads up about it on their way there but i feel like by tomorrow the entire crowd is going to be totally into the, the news and know everything that's going on so i feel like we're going to get a lot more um a lot more chance tomorrow for cm punk all right well you can check out collision late tonight with uh, john Cena and kate from montreal john thanks a lot for uh for staying up and uh, chatting with us and we uh look forward to your thoughts on collision no problem guys take care thank you Steve. all right that was john Cena, and we are back here with brandon thurston from russellnomics who is at the payback show tonight and we are getting his reaction to the cm punk termination by aew and also tony khan's handling of it uh tonight so you've had s- some hours to digest all of this news brandon and what are some of your takeaways i was going for a walk here in pittsburgh and i got back to the hotel and i checked my phone and there was a cm punk termination notice um yeah it, it leaves a lot of questions some of which will be asked maybe not all of which will be answered uh tomorrow night um but there's a lot of questions around does he have a non-compete uh is jack perry still being disciplined um, but we saw uh, Tony Khan speak before the crowd in Chicago tonight as well. Were you surprised that he addressed it to the extent that he did? I mean, this was more than just like a boilerplate. We have come to our, we have agreed to part ways. We wish him the best. Like this was, I mean, Tony Khan, like literally said his life was in danger uh, because of this incident um, to the point that, I mean, this was very harshly worded, even though he was in the statement, they were trying to be complimentary towards him. I mean, this was pretty, pretty definitive um, painting of, of Phil Brooks and their relationship coming out yeah. of this incident. I'd be curious to, to know what he means by that. I mean, you know, supposedly this happened in front of him within his sight, uh, this fight between Jack Perry and punk and, and reportedly punk and Tony P- punk, especially is reported to have you know chewed out, Tony before this related to what I don't know um I, I I'm trying and to potentially imagine. others like that like production people that could have been right. in danger from this whole thing as right. well that brings another you know scope to this about just like this was certainly painted as this was more than just two wrestlers that were getting into some kind of altercation with one another like this would escalated to a degree that there was at least concern for others yeah, and, and I can see yeah, this is a, somebody who's had more than one fight here in, in, in AEW, and it, it 
probably creates a liability for a hostile work environment or an unsafe work environment from from somebody else potentially at some point. So I can see you know plenty of reason why he would be advised to to fire Punk. Um, just trying to, to to think what he's thinking in, in doing this is pe- people who have attended an AW show know Tony will appear before the crowd off camera, you know, when, when they're not live, uh, at least once per show. I think oftentimes twice he'll, he'll show up pre-show, he'll show up between the, the rampage and the dynamite taping. Um, so not surprising that he would come out um, and, and address the crowd. Um, I think this is one of the nights he could have, he would have been better served to take off though. Brandon, what do you think happens from this point on? Um, do you think we get no mentions at all on AEW TV from CM Punk, or sorry, from um, of CM Punk, I should say? Um, do you, how do you think Tony? I think should... so because there were very few mentions of him in that that time after All Out 2022 until he came back. Right, he was kind of persona non grata, and and the relationship was unknown whether he would come back. Um, so I would think. Yeah. And he was wiped out of the uh, opening, I believe, today. Was he? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Was it interesting to you at all, knowing that it sounded like he had two separate contracts with the company? He had a, a wrestler agreement, and then he had an employment agreement. Like, they did pluralize, like, agreements and specified, like, these two, which is interesting. And I am I would think, like, there are probably several of them that, that have right. these sort of... You know, Jericho dual... has said on the record that he is one of them. Right. And at least this this confirms like punk like it this and that gets into like an interesting, you know, potential fallout of this is that you're not just talking about an independent contractor. This was an employee and therefore being fired with cause like what what is he being uh, what is being withheld from the company based uh, on this firing and 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 what action or non action that a Phil Brooks takes uh, following this. Yeah, that's a good good question for a legal expert is what. Does him being an employee as well as an independent contractor having dual status, how does that change things? If he was just a, just an independent contractor, maybe it would be different. Maybe the consequences, maybe the, the urgency to get rid of him wouldn't be as, as strong as they are. There's also uh, another question, and uh, you know, I these are all questions for, for Tony Khan, but any kind of like you're firing someone with cause, there's probably not some kind of like non-disparagement clause that's that's in this. Like we are not two parties that are leaving here, um, you know, with the highest thoughts of, of one another. And that naturally just seeing the the history here uh, of punk of when I think this is someone that will very much want to have his side out there at at a given time. At some point, he will he'll have to be a guest on someone else's podcast this time. I don't think Cole Cabana will have him this time. Um but yeah, there's a lot of questions around, including does he have a non-compete? Could he could he theoretically go on Raw Monday night? Um, I don't know. Uh, or maybe maybe he has some sort of 90-day non-compete. I had no idea. Um, but yeah, it, it, I will not be surprised to see the CM Punk saga continue. As somebody who you know has been following basically Tony Khan's entire sort of like um, media dealing history. Did you feel like tonight was um, maybe a bit out of character with the way he dealt with this issue so head on with the public? Um, And do you think it might signal any sort of change with the way he might deal with the media in the future? I doubt it. I I think he does it. Even as the the pay-per-views have increased, he still does as many media calls as he does. We still got a media call leading up to All In. And even though a week later was All Out, still got a media call, still going to have two press conferences. Um, I think he likes to talk. And he's not going to stop talking. Um, I'm pretty yeah, confident I, he will be there at the press conference tomorrow. Like you would oh, absolutely like I, 
I could see certain situations where he would not appear at this one, but I don't see Tony Khan being that guy that would not uh, be at this press conference tomorrow, knowing what the dominant subject matter is going to be. Yeah. I, I wonder if, you know, he's such an ECW fan. I wonder if he sort of thinks, you know, what he did tonight before the show. Well, maybe that's what, that's what Paul Heyman would have done. Uh, Paul and Tony are two very, very different people, very different uh, public speakers. But, but yeah, that's, that was sort of my thought watching it as I sat you know, in, in a, and watching a, a WWE show, which that was very overshadowed by the news on my phone. <laughs> so you've probably already uh, d- done some of this number crunching, Brandon, but after 11 episodes of Collision, the show has averaged uh, with, with CM Punk at the helm, 577,000 viewers right at a 0.20. And if we take away that, um, that tremendous first week uh, that they did, the last 10 would be a 0.18. Uh, college football is now getting up and running and CM Punk is gone. Do you see that this is going to – do you see any um, positivity for AEW moving forward of how are they going to handle this? Or are there going to be – is Tony going to have an ace up his sleeve in terms of a big key signing? Or do you think this is really going to be a hit to the Saturday night show? I think it was a hit when he was gone. It was, it was a hit to ratings when he was gone last time. Um, and we see ratings for Dynamite, which we have the longest record for. And, and, and Rampage is not – Rampage has fallen off as an important show, whereas Dynamite has not. And Dynamite's ratings, which is sort of a like-to-like comparison over you know year over year, has continued to, to be down year over year. And I think Punk's absence from Collision will, will hurt Collision. Um, there's always a vacuum for new stars to be created in, in his place, but they're not going to be as big as CM Punk anytime soon. But I don't know. Do you, do you guys have, have thoughts on that? Well, I, I think Sean Ross app hit it on the head when he was on with us this week that I think if you're a Mercedes Monet or an edge, you are in a really advantageous position because yeah. I mean, I think you want to have like how many people are out there that can come in and be at difference makers and, I, I, it's not even proven that Edge would come in. It would be a fresh scenery for Edge, but it, it's not like he's coming off like he didn't have that same impact in WWE that a Punk had, and they came in relatively, you know, a year apart from one another. Um, th- those are interesting cases, but I, I think short term, th- this is this hurts. Long term will be the bigger question. That overall, do they get over this hump? Is there, does this? if it opens the doors more and you're getting now talent back and forth on both shows, like tonight we had the young bucks on collision for the first time that you at least have access to all of your star power. But I, I do think short term, this, this will hurt collision. Even like I mean, symbolically, he's not replaceable at all in terms of what CM Punk was able to mean for, for the AW brand as being an alternative to WWE. That has been the company that has dominated the wrestling industry for at least the last 20, 23 years he was somebody who left WWE on bad terms and, and was beloved by hardcore fans. And he was perfectly suited to be the top star of this upstart new wrestling brand that was going to, in some ways, compete with WWE. And there's just, there's nobody who can take that place. Um, so it will be, you know, it's, it's a vacuum for others to fill, but it's uh, in, in many ways, I think symbolically, thematically, he's not replaceable. Do you think way that this is any chance of the, the last that we have seen of CM Punk with a, with a major company. Um, I, I think it's, I think anything's possible. Um, I, I think at this point, you know, um, trying to act uh, as a counter move with the people who are now his new enemies in AEW by going to their competition, I think would make perfect sense. 
I, I think the only question is whether or not the WWE would take him. Um, so, but you know, I, I really do think anything is possible. I think it's certainly like WWE is in a position where I don't think they need anything at this point. Um, it's not as though they need that, that shot in the arm um, that a punk would, would represent. But I mean, the history of pro wrestling is somewhat of this level uh, of star power. There's always going to be someone knocking at your door. Just the difference in this wrestling economy is I feel there's two companies that he could make the level of, uh, of amount that he has been accustomed to making in pro wrestling for so many of these years. And one of them is definitely not coming back to you. And the question is WWE, that door has been sealed for over, well, almost a decade. Um, Certainly there will be that like that to me is the only that's the only option left for him. If you're WWE, like, how do you calculate it? Obviously, there's benefits in having him. Uh, he was AEW's top draw. It, it, t- it takes a shot at AEW to take him away. And, you know, there's comparisons to what Cody has done there that that, that has been a benefit to WWE in that way. But there are clearly risks, too. Right. Like, you know, he may already have strained relationships with with. You know, important people in, in WWE that he would have to get along with to work there. Um, it's not even a he, case where it was just all the bad blood was with uh, Vince McMahon. Like he had a lot with Paul Levesque. You could argue more with with Paul Levesque than uh, a Vince McMahon. I mean, it would right. um, because he worked with Paul Levesque in, in the ring. Yeah, and that was you know the the famous final speech before he walked out of telling Paul Levesque, "You, I should have beaten you all those years ago." And uh, you know, it's. Again, they're they're not in a position where that they need it, and I mean that to me is you know it's all in what is their motivation. Like you certainly have the the, the business proposition of why it would be very valuable to you, and and then the the question of is he free and clear to uh, yeah. to, to walk over there because you can already see people are already booking their. CM Punk return at the Survivor Series in Chicago. Uh, as we I speak. guess if you're WWE, maybe the lower risk thing is to do something more short term, like a six months or 12 months or something like that. So you're not locked into this guy for years. Yeah, I mean, that's probably the, the safest bet. Um, before we uh, we wrap up, how do you feel CM Punk is now uh, viewed after this run and compared it to a year ago with, with All Out? And now that this last year has unfolded as it has and this uh, attempt at a reconciliation has largely blown up. It only lasted what from June 17th to today. So that's what uh, two and a half months or so. Um, I still think like if we're talking like the big picture and I, I noticed it's a coincidental, it's almost hall of fame voting season again. I would still vote for him. I think I would you know, this is, this is not uh, a, a positive to him, but, but everything else that, you know, he's, he's clearly been a benefit to the ratings, clearly been a benefit to, I think he gets some amount of credit for this all in show and then building AW up to the brand that it's become to do what it's done. Um, it's not like he's done something so horrible and egregious. Obviously it's worth firing over. I don't just have any strong disagreement with firing him. Um, but you know, it, he's still, I think one of the most important figures in wrestling of his time. Um, and it's unfortunate that it has to end this way. And he um, has to hold a grudge against people who he feels has wronged him. Um, and he can't, can't let it go. Um, but that's, that's the world we live in. It is something like it's very Phil Brooks that if this is like the swan song of like a wrestling career of getting into like some, some backstage incident, telling off the boss, 
being coaxed into going out and wrestling in front of 80,000 people, going to the back. We get a Nando stopover, and then he swings by Cauliflower Alley Club, gives a speech, and by the end of the week, he's been fired. I mean, this was just an insane seven days when you yeah. look at it, which is kind of the only way this could have ended in this tornado I, I, I of chaos. Of, I think of something that's been in the old WCM Punk DVD that was made like in 2012 or something, and, and there's like talking heads calling him, you know, the last last territory guy because he came off the Indies, I guess, which I think was overstated, but. I can't help but think about like, man, it's just, it's like Bruiser Brody or something. You just, you know, recurringly have conflicts with people. And I think my, you know, and he's applauded for it. Like he's looked at as like, right. that's not a guy Don't that put was, up with this shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's, he's very much um, placed as like this hero that stood up for himself. And even though like he was very unprofessional in certain situations, I, th- I see a lot of parallels there. I mean, Punk made the exact comparison of like, that's was, the kind of career he saw himself having like big star in Japan that would have little profile in the U S but modeling himself after a Stan Hansen or a bruiser Brody. Yeah. And in another era would, would the, the, the physical fights that he's been in and the conflict that he's been involved in, would it be as big of a deal? Would it be so interrupting of his career? If this was, I don't know, the eighties or the seventies, I suspect not. And that's not a justification, but I suspect I don't think we'd different. know about it either. Right. You wouldn't even know about it. You know, you'd read about it in somebody's book decades later. Um, yeah. And in, in that way, I think he's kind of like one of these territory wrestlers who, you know, would, you know, they, that's how you resolve a conflict is probably how he thinks, you know, let's let's just, you know, have it out and fight each other. And that's that's a way to resolve a problem. Way and I were talking about this, too. Like the the fact is, like, there is footage of this incident and you have to think that they like this footage has to certainly place like Jack Perry in a safe enough position that they were comfortable keeping him. Because I would think like, if this was, you know, both like if there was enough fault on both and you had potential injury, like just putting other people in danger. um, I think they wouldn't have thought twice of releasing Jack Perry on, on top of it. Like they, I don't know. I don't know what this footage says, but it certainly does tell you that like I thought Jack Perry, there was a reasonable chance that he would be, let go as well here and to the best of our knowledge he is not yeah according to fightful's report he he at least is not aware that he's been fired um yeah who, who knows what the video shows and what really happened you know we weren't there um but curious to know whether he's still being disciplined whether he's still being suspended well brandon uh thanks a lot for joining us uh in lieu of a, a payback press conference i hope they don't yank the all-out press conference tomorrow that would really make your, your road trip uh, a bit well it's it's still uh being there what what was the quick question on, on payback like it the crowd was full tonight um they had their ups and downs uh, throughout it and and you got a front row seat to cinnamon toast crunch for a whole match i did um yes the the, the cage match was very good uh the crowd was super hot at the beginning la Knight was super over jay uso was way way more over than i expected him to be i know he's a surprise being there anyway i got to see keiji muto he was just uh you know hundreds of feet away from me um crowd was I, th- hot. I thought he was gonna blow mist at seth's spine oh, and he would start selling he was shown on camera right yes yes okay he was. i didn't i didn't know if he, he was or not um but yeah the crowd was pretty strong for i would say the first two thirds i tweeted something saying i think think this is just right in terms of a length um last two matches were not as hot as i think they would have been had they happened you know an hour earlier so it was past 11 o'clock but it was mm-hmm. a pretty good show all right well 
Brandon will be up uh, Sunday morning, 11 a.m. Eastern, patreon.com slash WrestleNomics. And you can uh, get all the the fallout of the CM Punk saga, as we have dubbed it on on this show. So uh, more CM Punk talk and uh, other WrestleNomics uh, issues like the all in attendance, a little bit of payback business. Uh, I'll be coming to you live. This is free for everybody. Usually it's subscriber only, but the first episode of each month is free for everyone to join in and watch and listen. And I will be coming to you, I expect, hopefully from the Pittsburgh terminal before I fly to Chicago tomorrow. All right. Maybe some breakdowns of estimates of some of the top merchandise sellers out there. Estimates, educated estimates, estimates. Yes, please. Estimates. All right. Thanks a lot, Brandon, for joining us. Thanks guys. Have fun. And Brandon will be on with me later on this week as we will, uh, I'm sure be still uh, talking about the story. Any final thoughts from you way, just in terms of the, the, what is next? Any questions that, that you have on your mind and that you think Tony Khan is going to be asked about tomorrow. Cause I, I cannot fathom many other topics beyond this being asked of Tony Khan at the press conference. Sure. Yeah. Um, I imagine like he took today to really say his piece and say probably a lot more than what we all were expecting. And I imagine that might be it, you know, um, did he say too much in your mind? Hmm. Like it was very harshly worded. And I mean, I mean, I'm looking at this from just all sides of, you know, Tony Khan has been very careful Mm -hmm. in all of these situations. And tonight, Mm -hmm. like this was the most um, vociferous he was in terms of the most transparent, you could say the most transparent. But I mean, stating things that listen, if like, I I, I don't know what the next step is going to be for a Phil Brooks. But I mean, this is any lawyer that that is watching this. It's like every word is going to be analyzed through with a fine tooth comb. And that is like that's the game in sure like this this when you say too much are you saying did he put like maybe himself in maybe legal danger by by saying um like his life was in danger i mean he literally said his life was in danger that's Mm -hmm. not a like uh like that was a literal quote in in this so and you think that was too much and is that something that could be used against him i have no idea what the answer is i'm just stating like tony khan again like he has always been very um non-confrontational in these kinds of statements and and this was a departure from that yeah which is and, what and I should think. be applauded like listen wh- how many times do we talk about you know he mm-hmm. it's a no comment it, this this would have been a very easy one to just put out a boilerplate statement by press release you know what to to the point they it is not like too many people were necessarily expecting punk to be there this weekend i mm-hmm. appreciate the fact that they didn't just dangle it so you were buying this pay-per-view thinking he would be there because they could have thought let's get out of this weekend and we put this announcement out monday after the pay-per-view and instead they put it out in like with the crowd in this arena in chicago for two nights and then he went out there and listen he faced the music and you can state what you want but he, you can't say he ran from this. I think that was partially done for the quality of the show, too. Knowing that the fans could get all their booze out at him before the show started probably diminished some of those throughout or the rest of it. Or it could have started a night of just this crowd being pissed off and they were going to take it out on the show. I don't know if it was so cut and dry that just let them all get their anger out now and then they'll have nothing left for the show possible but at some point i think there was enough pressure from everybody to get him to give us an answer as soon as he knew it and from the sounds of things you know he probably didn't know during the press uh uh, media media uh phone call and in between that time i'm I'm sure he didn't i'm sure he would have loved to have had it all wrapped up or at least like yeah. let's rip the band-aid off as early as we can in the week. And this might be as early as they can rip the band-aid. 
you know, and I think this is honestly the, the, the most transparent thing you can do for your audience, but telling them as soon as you know that, hey, this person is not going to be on the show. In fact, he's terminated. And this is why he gave you everything you could just, you know, re- reasonably want, you know, barring maybe like the contents of this footage, for instance. So um, how does he handle it? I'm sure like maybe he'll repeat a lot of the same answers. I'm not expecting too much additional detail. Um, to come from like the press conference um and then that honestly like i don't know if you'd hear much about more about cm punk from this point on you know if he's no longer associated with the company at least from tony khan um what reason would he have to speak oh i'm sure we will hear from cm punk at at some point i don't think he's just going to go home and write comics and that's the last we hear of cm punk i am i unless there's some legal reason why he can't there might be but um yeah um I would I would state for the way it was handled. I think you have to uh, applaud that they went out and and did this as they did. It's and it's going to anger a lot of people. Like it, this is a very divisive um, decision. Everything that- he does is, is 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 people are very passionate about uh, not on any side. So this is to be expected. Yeah. And the fact is, like Wednesday, there were no CM Punk chants, at least not audible on Dynamite. And then mm-hmm. tonight, you know, there were certainly more. But even like we heard, like there were people chanting Colt Cabana or shutting down the CM Punk chants. Like it's not as though just being in Chicago and granted, you probably do have some tourists from outside the state. But it's not like this is just team CM Punk. And two years ago. And this is Chicago. It, yeah. Know? Like I think like they're. There is this mix, I think, of people, of even the diehard CM Punk fans that do understand the the conflict. And this is sort of like what they appreciate of a punk. Like, put this guy in the WWE setting 10 years ago, and this was the guy raging against the company that was WWE. Well, now he is perceived to be fighting against this company of AEW that I think has... Um, it's it a different a authority or sympathy for the audience that I think sees this as, you know, there are those that are going to defend and those that oppose, uh, oppose punk. And then there's many in the middle who I think can see the positive of punk. We saw the positive of punk in that cauliflower alley speech. Like you watch that guy for 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is the guy you would want running a locker room in 2023. Mm-hmm. And we also see the opposite and people are not just this instant, like you can't just label people, good bad these are individuals that have different temperaments and punk has a side to all of this and punk i think had in mind a vision of what he wanted this locker room to be and i think if he were to share his vision with a lot of fans even his detractors they would probably be on board with what this guy's vision was and where the conflict comes is his direction and how to get there and it was riddled with a lot of problems for this company of how you get to this vision of what you want this locker room to resemble, what you want this company to resemble. And there were a lot of competing factors and being on a team, it requires you sometimes to have to work with people that you don't get along with. And there was certainly a lot of that. He's a great creator. He's a great artist, you know, and and the fact that um, I think we shower accolades upon his work. I mean, as recent as um, Sunday, had a great match with Samoa Joe. You know, he's a great artist. Under under what? the circumstances of what he was just yeah. involved what? with and came out. And listen, I thought he was a total pro in that match. After what he had just, he gets into this altercation. And then we realize he's thinking of like not even, he, he's yeah. basically talked into doing the match. And he came out there 
and put in a great 15 minutes with Samoa Joe. That's that, that's never been in doubt. He's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, but he's a bad people person. And I feel in this AEW environment, it, it, that's only exposed that. Um, I don't know. At this stage, like, I, I don't know if I'd love to see him jump right back into professional wrestling. I would really love to hear about some form of just self-reflection because yes we can lay blame everywhere and you know like everybody else is not innocent in all of this it definitely takes other people like whoever you want to point at as as a potential instigator every, every of everything. single party attached to the story if if wise can sit back and they can learn something from this nobody i think came out of this with a 100 track record far from it everyone made mistakes along the way there were errors in how this was handled or not handled and it became a powder keg and ultimately i think everybody knew today this was inevitable that at some point it was just a question of how many times were you going to try and put out these fires before you just could not contain them anymore and sure it just so There's- happened today was the day well, there, there's arguing, and then I think um, there's physical confrontation in the workplace, and that's another level that should not even be excused whatsoever um, in any sort of adult environment. Like much, like even in schools, you know, in in, in, in the playground, it's not excused. Um, from the sounds of it, I mean, this is two physical altercations now, and again, um, maybe you know the first one shouldn't necessarily be compared to this one because there's no footage of it, and it's a lot of like you know he said, she said. Uh, but the fact that it seems like now at least you can might maybe call call this as some form of pattern that a guy would mm, get into a physical altercation at work that's cause to be for concern you know for anybody looking to if hire this, him if this happened future. again and something happened like listen they're they're around all this equipment a lighting truss falls over because two guys are brawling or something and someone's injured in the line of work and we have a pattern to establish this that was not rectified i mean it's just this is not 1970 territorial wrestling and this is not and that seems to be the defensive bill like that. there's no excuse even for 1970 territorial wrestling i mean that shit sounds so completely like moronic you know like, even back then the like, history we're talking of professional about wrestling like it's built on some some very Dumb. bizarre traditions it's how and... children solve their problems you know we're talking about million dollar companies you know getting billion dollar deals here you know and this is no way for anybody as a grown adult in a business world to to act and that's another theme to all of this is WBD and how they view this of they realize this is a big star that was going to carry our Saturday night property. And this feels like the circus and mm-hmm. they had to ultimately eliminate the, this problem, but they are going to still be held to a very high standard. And when you're looking at what is like, to me, the solutions for collision are number one, you've, you've eliminated this, uh, this silent split of talent that can't go. Christopher Daniels can now, the head of talent relations, can appear on both shows um, in, a, in a capacity. You mm. have the options out there of, like, do you like the option of, th- does this invigorate a Tony Khan to go out aggressively for an Adam Copeland? Or do you work with what you have? Do you need something? Yeah. So first of all, you know, like, like I think we all feel Mercedes Monet or even the combination of Mercedes and an Adam Copeland are not equals to what CM Punk might represent for sort of the ethos of AEW. It really was perfect and it's screwed up now, you know, and that's really unfortunate for everybody. Um, 
I think AEW should look within themselves. There's they have such a roster of people. I mean, MJF when he started in this company was not at the level where he was at right now. And look at where he is. Make another, make your own CM Punk. You know, like I, I mean, sure, rely on like an uh, an Edge or a Mercedes. You know, to to maybe change some of the headlines to be able to say, hey, like we got you know two of your favorite stars. It's going to be a fresh direction, whatever. But like build build your own guys. I'm I'm very curious to see. We just talked about this, like you know, on on Ask Away. If Shawn Michaels and Brett never left, would we have had Steve Austin and The Rock and Triple H and Mankind? You know, sometimes like this sort of thing needs to happen for the next generation to take a step up, and hopefully that's. That's what can happen in this situation. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. We are probably going to be talking about this a lot over uh, the, the coming days. So um, if, if there's more to discuss, we will. But we do have to go through uh, the payback show, which was tonight in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the PPG Paints Arena. It was a listed sellout, uh, had well over 12,000 people. They announced something on the broadcast, like 15 or so. Uh, and we started off with a steel cage match involving Trish Stratus and Becky Lynch. Um, tremendous video package that they had for the two and promoting this as the end, the culmination of the rivalry. And Tiffany Stratton is shown once again in the crowd, which would pay off later with a segment backstage with Becky Lynch and the bell rings and the two are staring off at one another. Becky then comes down running Trish into the cage. And after a matrish, Becky leg drops her while she is bridging. And did you catch where this, uh, hematoma starts forming on trish's forehead did you see what the blow was because i, I did not. feel like it might have been the repeated like um ramming like rams into, into the cage, the, uh, cage mm-hmm. fence because they were like pretty frequent and fat and fast and and aggressive that's that's the only suggestion i would it have. was swelling so quickly and then yeah. it kind of subsided but i thought we were going to have mark hominick here in this steel cage match mm-hmm. because it was forming so quickly on her forehead and uh, and this was early in the match. This was like five minutes in, and um, mm-hmm. this swelling is just uh, taking off. But then uh, Trish manages a widow's peak, complete with the uh, the Victoria gesture by mm-hmm. grabbing her hair. Very nice uh, nod there to uh, Lisa Marie Veron. And then uh, Becky comes back with a twist of fate, um, tying in uh, Lita, where where this whole story began. They ago. were. They were also talking about how uh, Victoria and Lita specifically were the first women to have a cage match. Um, that can't be right, right? Like, I think they said it, Trish it, and Victoria had the first women's cage match. I think that's what they said. Okay. 
I don't yeah. recall a Lita Victoria cage match, but yeah, oh, that was okay. the tie-in they explained of the first women having a cage match in the company. Um, they're fighting on top. The manhandle. Sl- Lita and Victoria did have one. On, Lita and Victoria uh, did have a cage. 2003 and November 24th. Okay. Um, the manhandle slam is stopped and there's a top rope bulldog uh, delivered to Becky. And then they're seated on the top of the cage. Becky stops Trish from climbing and Trish is hung upside down from the cage with her legs in the top of the cage and manages to get up and Becky hits a superplex. This thing was insane. And Trish just gets her shoulder up and the door is like brave as hell for not only taking the superplex, but like the dangling off the cage spot. Oh, my God. That looks I, so scary. Just, I watched that and it was like, man, you could just tear your knee in no time here uh, with that with that spot. And if you somehow slipped down. out, like imagine like, oh, man, the just the, 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 the fear of that fall would have had me. You know, so the door opens and Zoe Stark appears and it's a tug of war. She's pulling on Trish to get her out. Becky pulls Trish back in and then Zoe shuts the door on Becky's head. The uh, the the big Christmas Christmas Eve, 1982 world-class angle um this set up a near fall and then she ducks the chick kick manhandle slam but zoe is in to break up the cover the crowd is pissed uh as the steel cage has not done its job and trish climbs but the manhandle slam is delivered to stark becky catches trish climbing and hits a manhandle slam off the top turnbuckle to win the match in 20 minutes and two seconds michael cole has filled out his ballot for Match of the year, as he proclaims this, a candidate for um, excellent match between these two. And the feud certainly went long, but man, did they uh, just kill it here in the main event. Uh, sorry, the main event. This should have been the main event, uh, but opened the show. It felt very much like the main event. You know, coming into this show, there was no Roman Reigns match, no clear, um, I guess, uh, d- you know, um, uh, direction for a main event. So you at least brought this up as, you know, one of the matches in contention. It ended up being the opener, which I think is probably the second best spot on- to have on this match. But these two certainly wrestled this match and planned this match like it was a main event. It was excellent. I thought it completely exceeded my expectations early on, you know, um, kind of standard, but like once they introduce some of these elements here, like, you know, the callbacks to Victoria and Lita, you know, similar to what uh, Athena and Willow did to, to pay tribute to, you know, some of their um, compatriots here. Um, the entire match, I thought had a very consistent feeling of a cat and mouse chase where Trish was constantly trying to escape as the heel should and Becky doing everything she can to keep her inside. Some great battles on the top of the cage as well, including some like that a giant superplex and then the manhandle slam. I thought the Zoe sort of like entry into the cage initially was a little bit groan inducing but ended up being a really good obstacle for becky to finally overcome in order to lead to the finish and this kind of you know definitively ended their feud for you and complete with the ending here of the zoe stark trish uh, relationship where stark is explaining herself to trish and trish starts browbeating stark and tells her to get out of the ring and Zoe walks towards the door, but instead of leaving, she shuts the cage door, stands up to Trish, and nails her with the Z360, takes off her thank you Trish shirt, and takes off. And, I mean, I, I could read this as they're not even going to bother with the match here. This sort of felt like the write-off of Trish at the end, and Zoe getting um, standing up to Trish and nailing her with with the move and, and ending this. Felt like a write-off to me, too, you know? Um and uh if that's the case you know man how do you um, assess this run so um i think started off a bit rocky and i would say overall a bit mixed but she had some great moments throughout and i thought she ended incredibly strong and i it's 
it's easy to forget this because you know she looks the same as she did like from 25 years ago or 20 years ago whatever however long she's been but she's 47 and she's doing these super flexes off of the cage this is she's remarkable stepped out of her comfort zone greatly by being a heel for the first time in over 10 years and had a great 20 minute steel cage match here to close off a pay-per-view i would say this is probably like this is you know, the high point of the of the return this match for me well, like, sure, absolutely. But, like, can you, like, how were the other Trish matches upon, like, you know, at Evolution or, like, just any of the other Trish matches since her comeback or since her retirement, I should say? Like, it, this feels to me like it would be among the best, if not the best. She had, she had a really good match with Charlotte that year in Toronto at SummerSlam, but this was better. This, mm-hmm. this, this was one of, I think, Trish's best matches, period. Yeah, yeah. And ended the run strong, if this is the end. John Cena comes out, our host for the evening, and he puts over the previous match and lists all the things he's been in WWE, including a doctor and a prototype, which I don't think he was ever a prototype in in WWE itself. I mean, shout out Rick Bassman. OVW he was, I believe. Um, Yeah. Is is that WWE? I guess so. Developmental. They were were helping. Uh, So he's never been a host, but he wanted to be a special referee for LA Knight and The Miz, which demanded a follow-up question of why the Miz comes out and goes on about why he sucks being a host and Miz is the greatest host of all time and his advice to Cena is to not referee their match and when you're offered to be a merman in the Barbie movie turn it down and he that was a great cameo it was very good and he wore a $10,000 suit for his WrestleMania hosting gig while Cena dresses like a Teletubby and you don't even have a referee shirt. And just like that, he was handed a referee shirt. We do a bunch of no, yeah, back and forth. And The Miz and LA Knight preceded this with John Cena as the special referee, which they did reveal on the kickoff show. They revealed Cena being the special ref on the kickoff? Yeah, they just put up a graphic and he was listed as the referee. On oh, that's the spoiler alert. Well, it, it, Miz did come out here already with the knowledge, but I guess Cena had oh, explained okay. it. But yeah, it was kind of uh, uh, gotcha, kind of odd that they revealed it on the kickoff show as opposed to just have it announced here. So Michael Cole, um, busy on cage match, reveals that Cena was a previous guest referee in 2010 for a match between Randy Orton and Wade Barrett. Ah, yes. Like, thank you, Michael. So Miz is killing time, which was the theme of this match. Uh, this crowd, they were just forcefully trying to get the yeah chant just over as much as they could here. Miz is in control. He's getting into Cena's face. And then Cena's enforcing the count on both men. And LA Knight's getting upset here. And at one point, Cena just looks at him and says, you're not ready. And then Miz starts doing the M-I-Z. Yeah. And then he continues with the it kicks, which Michael Cole says, he stole those from somebody. And Cole then says, this is the pace of a match the Miz wants, taking the crowd out of it. And boy, <laughs> Miz, like a maestro here, controlling this crowd that was dead. Knight then does his yeah on offense. Skull crushing finale is stopped. We trade DDTs. And then Knight almost runs into Cena, but stops and gets hit with the skull crushing finale for a near fall. Miz teases the five knuckle shuffle, but, but Knight is up, slams him, elbow drop, BFT in 15 minutes and 46 seconds, which um, this should have been at most half of that. I thought this went way too long. It did feel pretty long. I agree. Um, I thought the match felt very un-2023. Like, 
like it felt like a WWE heavyweight style of match from like, I don't know, the mid nineties, you know, both these guys move sets are very basic and really not at all spectacular, but they're both guys that get by with big personalities. And I felt like that was enough to get, get them like pretty like consistent to good reactions throughout the match. Um, They, you know, cheered LA Knight throughout and they booed the Miz throughout. And, Overall, I thought they did a decent job with the Cena integration by, you know, just kind of constantly maybe teasing moments between the two of them. Um, but overall, you know, just another sort of like several months, several weeks to put LA Knight into the spotlight, ending with a bit of a Cena sort of like a passing of the torch moment, I guess. Yeah, which I mean, they just done this with, with Cena, with Cody, not all that long ago. And I understand like LA Knight is the hot guy and Cena has a face off with him at the entrance and then offers his hand. And man, was LA Knight reluctant to go along with this and finally mm-hmm. does. And Cena, you know, he endorses the guy, but it just, it felt to me a little bit too much uh, at this point. Um, too much on, for who? Uh, for LA Knight that it's, listen, he, he's the guy that they are pushing really hard, but I, I was very unimpressed with, with this match over, mm. overall. Um, I, th- yeah. I think it would have greatly benefited from a lot less time than going nearly 16 minutes for your second match in for, for these two. I, I could have told you that at the beginning. Um, and I think they were expecting that this would be if this was a match that was even, um, you know, just a significant step up. I think the John Cena thing at the end would have meant a lot more than it than it did. Hmm. I think maybe like him, like LA Knight being reluctant to shake Cena's hand might have been to me a way to make sure he didn't look like a subordinate to John Cena, you know, by 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 maybe almost like teasing a feud between LA Knight and Cena, you kind of make LA Knight look a bit more like an equal and a potential rival rather than just, you know, here's um here's like, you know, sensei giving like his student, uh you know, a a, a passing grade you know that sort of thing um but you you know it, it, a feud like this was always going to i think um have trouble with the final in-ring match you know um and that's going to be a big biggest hurdle i would say maybe maybe for la Knight. his promos are incredible but is his in-ring up to the par that is expected of a main level professional wrestler it's, it's not i mean it's it's not it's and, and that's why like i do see a certain ceiling with him and you know, there's this clamoring get behind LA Knight. It was like, what, what does that mean getting behind LA Knight? Um, Cause I, I don't know like how high you go with him. Like I don't see him as your, your like he could challenge for the title. I don't see this guy winning the title. Mm. Ray Mysterio, mean, not, not, not without big improvements, I guess in ring. Yeah, I think so. Uh, but you know, the, like the personality side is, is through the roof. And I think it just means, you know, not putting him in 16 minutes with, with the Miz. I just don't think that's, you know, the best way to go about things. Rey Mysterio and Austin Fury for the U.S. championship. Uh, a rarity here. Michael Cole shouts out by name members of the digital team for the stats that they provided. So look at that. Oh, there you go. All right. So Ma- you- Michael Cole was watching the G1. And it was like, oh, you, you can mention your people <laughs> that do research for you. I mean, that's he's got a whole team of Chris Samsos. He, I'm sure he has a football team worth of them. So this is our match presented by Cinnamon Toast Crunch. And you could not look anywhere without seeing the, the imagery. So this match they must love Ray. Like Ray gets Toast all Crunch. the sponsorships. I, that's probably specifically, not specifically by coincidence. Cinnamon, specifically from Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Remember the Dominic match? They love this guy. So um, so this match probably made them a lot of money, uh, the company, that is. And Ray comes out with the LWO, 
in their Pittsburgh World Order shirts. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I the Pittsburgh World Order. Well, they do this for every town. I, I know they do, but my but, God, but it's got even nothing to do with the LWO anymore. Like, it, like you know, the the uh, Puerto Rico shirts made perfect sense when when they're in Puerto Rico. Um, I they, I hope <laughs> that there's a future premium live event in Scarborough. The Scarborough World Order. I'm I'm sure somebody would already sell that somewhere. Um, at this point, I mean, they're just the closest team that would wear one of those. I guess. So this is also the first time Ray has worn this particular vest since Clash at the Castle one year ago when Dominic turned on him and he has now crossed Dominic out of the vest. Interesting. Okay. That's harsh. Ouch. Theory was in control and Graves asks if anyone has ascended to the top of WWE as quickly as Austin Theory. I'm like, has he now? And Michael Cole, without, uh, without letting a second go by, Randy Orton, Randy Orton. Theory then rips at the mask and he is elbowed off and Ray hits a moonsault, lands a tilt-a-whirl, and then Theory is sent out. Theory ducks a 619 and Theory takes him on the shoulders, spins him into a powerbomb, and the A-Town down gets stopped. Ray connects with the 619 and after going for the splash, he lands on Austin's knees. Theory lifts him up for another attempt at the A-Town down, which Ray counters with a victory roll in 9 minutes and 49 seconds. And he celebrates with the LWO as Austin Theory is fuming. So much so that I'm worried that this is not over. Yeah, um, I'm not so sure it is. You know, you have some Grayson Waller involvement. I thought we would get at least another um, sort of wrinkle in the Santos Ray nothing thing. Nothing. No tease whatsoever. They celebrated everything. after, but there were no hints of anything. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you can argue maybe Ray needs a successful defense of the U.S. title to really establish it, especially against the former champion. Uh, this kind of prolongs it. They might even be waiting at this point all the way until WrestleMania to do like a Ray versus Santos actual match. The match I didn't think was bad, but I kind of felt like it failed to stand out in any significant way. It felt like a pretty standard Ray performance, which is good. Um, but I'm, I was more so maybe looking for something on the other end to make it feel that much more special. And Theory, unfortunately, looked about the same as he always does, which is not very. No, um, this was it, it was it was a match that filled its time on the card in adequate fashion, which I don't know if anyone will be going home and saying, man. Should have seen this Austin Theory match that I saw tonight at Payback. Kathy Kelly interviews Becky Lynch, who was approached by Tiffany Stratton. So a number of weeks ago, Tiffany Stratton did a promo on NXT stating, I'm going to be the greatest NXT women's champion of all time, bigger than Asuka, bigger than Charlotte Flair, and bigger than Becky Lynch. And then everyone got on her. Becky Lynch never won the title. So they're they're running with this that she forgot that Becky was never the champion. So she brings this up stating, I'm sorry, I forgot you had never won the title. And Becky appreciates Tiffany coming out of her Mattel box and showing up here tonight. But you better focus on your match this Tuesday and maybe I'll see you down the road. So it looks like we are going to have some something involving Becky and Tiffany Stratton. Long term build for this. And on a I would say like on a PLE, it's kind of unusual that you would guess get this sort of NXT like backstage segment. So seemingly making a bigger deal out of this than maybe their usual NXT integrations. Would you look at this as if you were going to do this match, would you do it at the battleground show at the end of this month? Or would you put Tiffany on like the WWE show? Would that have a better even if you're not calling up Tiffany, but just like what is more valuable? Hmm. Like, well, what's the purpose of doing all of this NXT integration? Is it not to bolster the sort of uh, status of NXT as something that, you know, WWE viewers should be watching? And for that reason, I'd put it on the more widely watched 
premium live event. I'd put it on like do it on the fast lane show. I mean, I, I guess, think that would help Tiffany more. Like, are you unless you that- just want to pop a big number on TV and put Becky on NXT? Like that might be. But if we're talking about premium live events, I mean, th- to me, it would be just do one cycle and put Tiffany on there. Like they're obviously very, so, very high on her. Have they not done? I mean, we saw a whole sort of like. um nxt you know survivor series right like and did that necessarily help drive viewers to on to to nxt on on the on that time i mean it was a long time ago really so maybe even hard to say now it is when nxt was its strongest on tuesday nights right at the beginning there yeah i mean can't you argue that what they've been doing now has been working you know by putting wwe main roster members over to nxt it is and i think it it is helping like those specific weeks, but I don't know if it's necessarily sustained. And here, instead of sending your core audience from Monday to watch on Tuesday in a small fraction, take your smaller character and put her in front of your most eyeballs with the hope that people are will come back and want to follow the story. And you have a month, you can do Tiffany on Raw one week. You can do Becky coming down to NXT for, for a segment and then pay it off at the pay-per-view. I imagine you'll still probably get that, you know, to continue Tiffany Stratton interactions with the on the main roster. But I have a feeling they'll keep the match on NXT itself, but they could do either. The Steel City Street Fight was next for the undisputed tag titles. Owens and Zayn against Finn Balor and Damian Priest. And uh, the audience loved this. And there was uh, plenty of integration here for the Pittsburgh crowd to get into things. Uh, Balor pulls out a terrible towel and then throws it down on the ground and stomps it. This upsets the crowd. And this put Graves in the position as the regular heel announcer that had to back Owens and Zayn uh, taking it out on Balor here as the Pittsburgh guy on the broadcast. Graves was an integral to this match. Oh, absolutely, because it's not easy to decipher football teams from hockey teams. (laughs) Owens and Zane, I mean, we had trash cans galore. Owens takes off his T-shirt to reveal a Terry Funk shirt underneath. And, man, that's not where the the tributes would end uh, for Kevin Owens, because uh, this guy would end up bleeding a gusher uh, later on. Uh, They put the trash can over Balor's head and beat it with kendo sticks. The kendo sticks have made just a roaring return after, like, one hardcore match without them in WWE. Um, I, I they must have heard some of the complaints about the Terry Funk um tribute match because this was much more of a this was like, mu- this should have been the Terry Funk uh memorial match correct yeah table comes out for the giant pop and uh, Zayn then is uh throwing wild with chair shots here and then they fight into the crowd where Dominic shows up and together the three of them toss Zayn and Owens into the penalty box and they are not seen. But when they stand up from the penalty box, they appear with Pittsburgh Penguins jerseys where Kevin Owens is representing Mario Lemieux and Sami Zayn, Sidney Crosby. And they've got hockey sticks. And on top of it, Owens has been busted open. So he's just dripping blood on top of his face here. I have no idea how he um, got busted open. I mean, I'm assuming maybe it was the shot from Dominic when he ran in with the elbow. But Listen, if you're going to do a street fight and if you're going to wear a Terry Funk shirt, um, certainly made me a little bit suspicious about sort of uh, whether or not this was um, an accident, but uh, but certainly added to the match, in my opinion. I'm sure it was complete. Just they fell over the penalty boxes and then they just had these jerseys just ready in their sizes. I'm sure this was was a total accident. I'm sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cole marvels that they're representing the five time Stanley Cup winners, the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
and and Graves is just like penguins, penguins. So the gloves come off from Owens and Zane. They attack Dominic. And then we return to the first they fight by the kickoff show area, including Zane doing a somersault senton off of this glass desk. And Dom is uh, getting involved here. Owens then places Dom onto a table. He climbs on top of a balcony and delivers a swan dive off the balcony and like almost overshoots Dominic. This was a really bad landing for Kevin Owens. Uh, And he looked like his back took a great deal of this, if not his tailbone, because the table still managed to break. So he at least caught enough of them. But dude, from the neck down, it was pretty much past Dom's body. This looks scary as hell. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a wrestler. I've never done a swanton off a balcony. I imagine maybe partially that like a lot of this was positions for him to protect Dominic, of course, you know, rather than him taking the full weight. But that also meant Owens had to basically take Ooh. this bump on his tailbone um, coming off the balcony, which is insane. So, I mean, it looks spectacular, you know. Um, Dude, but- th- th- this is probably going to hurt like hell. But I'll tell you what's going to mitigate some of that pain is when Kevin Owens sees the replay from this angle that they shot from underneath of him rotating on the balcony. Yeah, this is like this was right underneath him. And the way he rotates, I mean, this was the greatest highlight of Kevin Owens career. This shot was immaculate. And if you're going to destroy your back. You want to have an angle to to watch back and tell people, this is how I messed up my back. If you're going to do a balcony dive, make sure at least five cameras are present. That's it. That's it. 4K the hell out of it. So this was uh, probably the most dangerous spot on the, on the entire show. Mm-hmm. Zayn and Balor are making their way to the ring. You'd think like this would eliminate Owens from the match, but he he's back within minutes uh, after this uh, for, for the, the end stretch. And Balor and Priest are working together. Owens returns, stuns Damian Priest, and they set him up for the Haluva kick. You think it's over. JD McDonough yanks Zane out for the save. And then Owens takes McDonough and pop-up power bombs this dude onto the edge of the desk that doesn't break and graves with the most accurate call of his career. He's dead. And th- dude, this guy looked like he broke in half. That oh, was goodness. not hyperbole. He took this power bomb. He might have been in just as much pain as Kevin Owens, but it wasn't as pretty of an angle. And Rhea then appears spearing Kevin Owens through a barricade. Like this guy just went all out uh, in terms of damage he took in this match. Valor misses the coup de grace onto Zane, hits the exploder and haluva kick, but Dominic nails Sami Zayn with the money in the bank briefcase and Balor climbs on top, pinning Sami Zayn in 20 minutes and 43 seconds. We get the title change. Hell of a street fight. Oh, excellent. Excellent, excellent match. Yeah. Um, they took this thing everywhere, you know, and I think they gave us an intensity and chaos worthy of a Terry Funk tribute. Owens, um, you know, the blood I thought greatly added maybe to the atmosphere, whether intentional or not. And then you had that crazy swanton off the balcony. Um, I love the hockey moments as... Um, hokey as you know maybe they may be i think you need this level of fun especially when you're trying to theme it a pittsburgh steel city street fight you know this was the most pittsburgh thing i think you had really the only pittsburgh thing you had in the actual match itself because what else about it was you know steel city chairs do they not have that elsewhere (laughs) whatever um i love those moments and i love the use of the judgment day throughout this you know um yes like a lot of people might groan at these sort of constant run-ins 
uh, as I usually do when we talk about like the House of Torture in New Japan Pro Wrestling. But unlike the House of Torture, I thought every run in here from the Judgment Day members felt memorable, and each one felt like a significant obstacle for each of the baby faces to overcome. I thought they found a great role for JD McDonough to continue, you know, his sort of story as like a guy who feels who's trying to win Damian Priest over to join the Judgment Day, uh, and then everybody else I thought played a very significant role, including Rhea, of course. So I thought this match was great. I thought it was interesting the fact that th- this was like significant, like female on male, like violence with the big spot of the spear. Of you've had yeah. that plenty though, like Rhea attacks everybody, though. like like Rhea has, and not so much in in this whole program involving Owens and Zayn, and it ties into like Rhea of like I will do things myself if I have to, and I'm really curious if this is an option for for war games where Rhea is part of the men's war games match. Okay, so the only problem is that um, they allow female-on-male violence, but not not the other way around. So it's one thing to have a spot or two, but can you work an entire match without Rhea getting hit? Um, it, it depends on what they're what what they're comfortable doing. I I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I I kind of feel like the audience might be like dissatisfied by it because I don't think you'll get much of a back and forth. You got JD is in there as well now, right? I guess so. Th- what would that make it? One, two, three. I guess that would only make it four. Four mm-hmm. on four. Which they've done, right? Because the way it's set up now, like it seems as though like a bloodline war games, like you, you would have to add a lot of people now and you've you've separated the Usos, which we'll get to. And like I, I don't see... think it would be the bloodline. Well, guess. that's what I'm saying. Like the judgment day kind of makes sense to be, and maybe JD is that guy, but the fact that Rhea is so attached, I'm I'm just curious if that's maybe a a, a thought. Baby faces could also add a female as well. That's true. That's true. You mm-hmm. could do that on top of it. Grayson Waller effect is next. And they ask, or he asks what Cody's big announcement is. And after Cody has had so many ups and so many downs this year and calls Cody kid and Cody, uh, a dynamite throwback here, noting that Grayson is one of the latest graduates of hip top hip toss class, uh, which was, I mean, brought me right back to, a different Cody that was not riding this wave of success. Who did he say that about? Oh, it was like when Fish and O'Reilly came in, I think. Oh, right, okay. And it was all the, the, the NXT crew coming in, hip toss class, and lists off all the different interview shows over the years, his favorite being Flair for the Gold and how these segments usually go. But Cody's going to give him a big scoop. He says SmackDown is intriguing, and he saw a wrong that needs to be righted. And he reveals his big announcement, Jay Uso is now part of the Raw roster. And Jay comes out, and Michael Cole reminds us he didn't just quit SmackDown. He quit the WWE. Now he has unquit the WWE, but he has still quit SmackDown. So he has joined Raw, and uh, Grayson tells everyone to relax. He's only been gone for two weeks and says Jay has failed as a singles performer. All he's done is be a twin in a tag team. So Jay super kicks him, and that led to Grayson Waller uh, posting a photo where he was icing his jaw with a Pepsi can stating that he was hit unprovoked on his show. <laughs> Fire that man. So a uh, pretty clever line from uh, Grayson Waller. Uh, hopefully. And he does not uh, work in the same company as uh, the person he's referencing. Not so. right now. Not right now. But if he does, <laughs> you're right. This tweet will be remembered. I promise Goodness. you. So yeah, Jay is on raw. So in in essence, you would think like they are trying to actively keep the Usos separate until they're ready to do that match. And now you have a reason for it. But I think you do kind of need a rationale for Jay leaving, c- quitting the company, but now he's coming back to Raw. 
Yeah. I guess and, the, and you do get him and Sammy now back on the same show as well. You're right. Yeah. I mean, although Sammy and KO were your Sammy will now be raw exclusive because he dropped the championship. You're that's right. That's right. That's right. So that'll be interesting. The on SmackDown some week. Yeah. And then um, maybe you get continued interaction with like Sammy or sorry, uh, Jay and, and Kevin Owens, you know, and now you kind of do the thing where like Sammy is torn between the two. So that'll be really interesting. Um, I, uh, by the way, Jay Uso came out to a, a remix version of his theme as well. Now it's just his voice and his brothers out of it. And so and they're really the whole arena doing his, uh, his arm deal. This thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's his new thing. With both yeah. arms. I'm so, okay. You want to do it together? One one arm no, each? No, I don't. I okay. just want your thoughts on the segment. I mean, they're really making a real push for both of these two as single stars with their own singles programs. Uh, the level at which they'll push them, we'll see. You know, do are we truly going to see a main event, Jey Uso? Or are we going to see an IC title level, Jey Uso? You think? Well, it's on Raw. I think he. It's it's another person you have in, in the mix here on on Raw. Like you do have a really interesting set of potential main event like you have a lot of programs for Seth Rollins I love the idea of just like Jay being able to continue something with Sami Zayn there was always magic I think in their specific pairing and to be able to throw a bit of that bloodline magic over to Raw I think it helps Zayn and Owens who have probably needed something for a long long time and you have all these people from Roman's past from Owens and Zayn to Drew McIntyre to Seth Rollins and now Jay it's like he, you were part of this guy's group for all this time. And totally. he, he has all this history now with these guys that Roman plowed through. He's Vegeta. I was uh, Kazuyuki. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, and maybe there's a war games there already. Like, you know, Could between be. Owens, Zane, uh, Cody, you know, Jay, I mean, the, Cody was the one to talk Jay into coming back from retirement. So yeah, you, like you, you definitely there. have the line of baby faces to go against judgment day um, mm-hmm. as the war games match. Rhea Ripley against Raquel Rodriguez for the women's world championship. So they work. This as kind of, here are the two powerhouses of the women's division with Raquel working with, with the bad knee that she was recently cleared for And they were kind of doing like, both of them were each other's equal and the, the audience definitely came down for this match. I, I think this was another one that, that went longer than it would was needing to. Mm-hmm. And it kind of felt like a bit of a, like a dated style for what this audience wanted to see. And you're coming off a hot street fight and you're coming back with this, where it's just a lot of like outpowering the other and you know, yeah. the, the irresistible force against I, I- the immovable object. Well, they're both irresistible forces almost, you know, like I, I almost wondered because there's a portion here where uh, Rhea's nose got busted open. And she was bleeding, seemed uh, at least, you know, distracted by it throughout the match. I wonder if that might have affected like her pace at all, like if it affected her breathing at all, because th- this was a lot slower than I think we were expecting, even for, you know, two powerhouses. After she stopped the Tejana bomb, Raquel lifted her for a power bomb and she like totally lost her and fell backwards with Rhea, mm-hmm. which uh, Michael Cole, I mean, there Rhea shifting her weight. <laughs> it's like, man, I mean, it does. It did sell the knee injury because it looked like someone like that. Their knee just gave out. Well, you should do it as an announcer is to protect, right? Yep. Raquel comes down off the turnbuckle and tweaks her knee. So Rhea chop locks it, applies the prism lock, but then Raquel cradles her to get out. And then Raquel power bombs her into the post, dumps her into the barricade, and then runs the shoulder into the post. Dominic comes down, which kind of felt like we were going back to the well here after we had just seen this. And Raquel pulls both into the ring. Dominic is scared and gets hit with a power slam, which allows Rhea to kick the knee 
hits the head and riptide 17 minutes and 22 seconds. I, I can't say that this one hit at the level. I, I thought they had the potential of doing because they had some very good matches in NXT together and they've rest, been wrestling each other for like five years when you go back to when both came into the NXT system. But I just think the way this was laid out, I, I think it was a, a tough match this late in the show and certainly too long for what they needed. Yeah, some of the length of, 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 of the matches on the show, especially considering the overall runtime of this, card this what, was, what was three and a half hours for six matches yeah yeah i definitely think could have been shaved down um but i was disappointed in this match as well um again not sure if something happened with like uh her, her nose to really affect anything but overall it really lacked intensity and felt pretty flat just in terms of like you know who had the advantage who wasn't you never really got those big moments of like um concern or at least just even excitement you know um and then the ending I thought was pretty predictable and generic, you know, with, with Dobbins running. Which you had just done in the last one. Like this, this guy had taken he's a swanton through a table and he's coming back uh, 30 minutes later mm. for, for a spot and he's fine. Oh, yeah. The, uh, he was like, selling. He was selling it on the way back. But I And I Owens kind of missed. So maybe maybe that was it. Okay. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that was uh, his, his out. John Cena's dressed up in a suit and a bow tie and it's the return of Lance Catamaran. As he interviews Finn Balor and Damian Priest, and Pre- Priest and Balor, like they do this interview straight as this guy is just being a total goof here, and they state their family brothers fight, but we're on the same page, we're unbeatable, and Cena's just acting all nervous. Cena stole the scene here, and these guys just felt like they were uh, just the uh, the props here for for Cena, and then he throws back to Colin Graves. They were doing some impressive camera tricks here, where um, I'm guessing Cena was doing like the split legged thing to look. Definitely, yeah, because he was getting towered over by these two. And Balor must well, been. at least by Priest. Uh, and, Balor is not exactly. Oh, uh, uh, Balor was taller than Cena in this scene, so Balor must have been standing very close to the lens because they, they made Balor look like a giant here. Maybe Cena was doing the splits, full splits. Well, yeah, I'm sure he was doing the splits and then some. Whatever they were doing here, they they somehow <laughs> made John Cena look tiny in comparison to Finn Balor. Um, I had mixed reviews, um, mixed reactions, I should say, to um John Cena's humor um throughout the show. This was very much Dude, John Cena's like his humor has been. It, it it's been more missed than than his his funniest stuff is outside WWE. In, oh my in god, yeah! Like he's got genuinely great like funny comedic timing in WWE. Like this is not like this is just a mid forty year old trying to like he was always like this. Corny he's funniest stuff. when other people are writing for him because I mean I don't know if he wrote this himself or not, but this was I did I didn't think he was all that funny throughout the show. I, I I didn't care that much. It was just for, like like John Cena did kind of feel like forced onto this show. But I mean, if the guy's available, you you write him into some segments. But, but was this I, the best usage of him? Like I no I no, no no not at all. Like I, I personally didn't think he was all that effective in the in the referee match. I think he kind of overshadowed them in in the match. To be honest, yeah. Um, no, this was not the greatest use of John Cena. But they had him, and this is what they had in mind. I'd argue like you want to still do things to protect his star power. And I, even though he was poking fun at himself here doing this sort of backstage thing, ultimately it's, it kind of leaves me feeling apathetic to John Cena appearances on like, you know, two days after the guys just return. Well, the main event was Seth Rollins and Shinsuke Nakamura Shin for the world heavyweight championship. And Keiji Muto is brought out to sit in the front row man flew all the way from Japan for this match. So I'm glad he got a front row seat for, for his troubles. Maybe he was at Starcade. At Starcast. Oh, sorry. Starcast. Yeah. Um, oh, imagine, imagine if Kawada came to take this match in. 
he's he's <laughs> he, probably going all out tomorrow night. I bet. Yes, yes. He should be um, in the crowd there. They should try and get Kawada at all out tomorrow night. That would be amazing. That'd yeah, be very cool. He should come out like he should be there for the Kingston match. He should come out with Eddie Kingston. Come on. They should let him come out, do his entrance, and be selling Kawada ramen at the concession stand. Amazing. We had this awesome entrance for Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, let me say. What they have done with Shinsuke Nakamura, honestly, like it's it's among like the best stuff of this year from WWE. I have mm-hmm. like, am I overselling it? I think no. they have just done such a great job. And this entrance, they did this whole animated video, like total comic book style with Shinsuke's anime. entrance. Hmm? Anime or manga, like, you know. Well, he comes out and it's all using the promo uh, about the back. And it's his duty to put Seth out of his misery and remove his burden of being champion. This is the beginning of your end. Great. Uh, they released this online. You know, Neil Flanagan actually sent it to me, and I was like, why did they put this on TV? And clearly they were just, you know, saving it for the entrance um, and putting it early out for the, for the, for the audience. It, it, it was fantastic. And, you know, one of the things I was hoping to come out of this was like um, a re- renewed direction for Nakamura and coming off of the result of this match, I'm curious to know what they do with him, you know, uh, if they can continue this in any way or if he just kind of steps again back into the mid card after. But they really found something unique. Yeah, it's like it. this is a main event act, but I feel it's it's so late in the game for Nakamura that I I really wish this was something like they they honed in on like six, seven years ago. But yeah. uh, alas, mm-hmm. uh, Rollins is wearing like pinstripes in honor of Bray Wyatt. They noted about his gear. And but the announcers did a phenomenal job because everything was about Seth Rollins back. And it just to me, it is a bit of a leap where we go from among the most athletic performers in the whole company, if not industry. And now he's a blow away from being a paraplegic. I totally agree. I totally agree. And like, like one bad shot and he's paralyzed. I was like, where have we gone from this guy that was like, it's, and it's real. Like this is a real back injury and they did the right thing with the commentary and it made for a dramatic story, but it's a big leap of Seth Rollins. And it's, this is not to me like I'm watching Shawn Michaels in his comeback match. Agreed. Yeah. Cause just, you know, weeks ago, you've seen this guy have per- picture perfect, like performances, like where I'm sure he's landed on his back several times and has not had the same reaction. So what I think they needed to do was either in the lead up to this or within the body of the match itself, they needed a significant injury to the back that you, you know, to a, to a, to an extent that you wouldn't have seen in his other matches to justify why the back is suddenly such um, a sensitive area for this particular match. I think it might've been a missed opportunity like even in the go home segment for Nakamura to I know he did the Kinshasa to the back but I think they could have gone a step further you know he could have done some sort of weapons thing or some sort of like crazy like thing you just haven't seen before um in this match I thought they attempted it but Rollins kind of began his like sensitive back selling even before you had that big table spot so I found I also found it a bit inconsistent yeah I mean in another era it would have been so hokey now but the idea of Keiji Muto blowing mist at his spine <laughs> would have been no. priceless. I don't think sp- mist works like that, dude. Keiji Muto, the black mist on the I spine. I mean, it's, it's mist. Um, dude, this is all the stuff we just saw with Asuka. Like, but I literally, thought, they've done this. I thought mist was only effective in eyes, like when it gets in your eyes. Is it bad on, on the skin as well? 
you need to watch some of the like the old hustle angles that they did with the mist. <laughs> I mean, it was like they, they were yeah, you crazy can, things. I know you could get pregnant through the mist in hustle. I I don't know if it. Uh, I don't think that. they. I don't think he'd get Seth Rollins pregnant, but um, it, it <laughs> like, could affect his lo- lower lumbar. Like if anything, mist on your back would just give you a bad rash, right? It wouldn't affect your sp- spinal column. I don't think. Depends what's in the mist. So the announcers focus on the back and Nakamura's going after it. Nakamura's in control and Rollins, Rollins hits a top rope Frankensteiner. And the the award for like mental gymnastics was Corey Graves, who explained he was going to go for a superplex, but needed to preserve his back. So he did a top rope Hurricane Rana. <laughs> and Michael Cole's like, yeah, dude, that's still going to really take a lot out of your back. Not not as much, though. It's it's not as bad as a superplex. It's like. <laughs> Okay. okay, Graves is trying really hard here, but it's like you, like you're watching this guy. He's doing like a picture perfect frog splash, and that's always been the thing with me with Rollins when he's got a heavy duty injury to sell. He's still going to do his big moves, and they're breathtaking. Well, and but the guy did a kip up here, and like I understand, like I, maybe I like, think sometimes he's got to cut stuff out, and I don't think he's a big cutter outer. Yeah, I understand. Like, okay, like you got to do the frog splash; it's part of your move set. You maybe you even have to do do a, a hurricanrana. But a kip-up is not, like, you know, it doesn't need to be in your match. And the guy did it and didn't even really sell. The announcers had to kind of cover for him. He said, oh, did you notice Seth Rollins put it instinctively, put his hand by, by his back uh, once he, a little bit after that kip-up. I mean, yeah, that I think is definitely a, an area I, I also agreed with. Rollins then lands a beautiful frog splash. Nakamura kicks out. And then we get dialogue, Seth. And he says, I know my back is thrashed. I know the risk I take, but you don't have to make my family worry. You don't have to bring them into this. I know the risk I'm taking. Um, so clearly, like, you know, the pandemic um, still has some rem- remnants. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's not over, everybody, because um, dialogue in the body of matches is still very much a thing that I think is encouraged right now in at least WWE style pro- professional wrestling. And it works most of the time, you know, and I think it's nice for like to at least like hear from the wrestlers themselves exactly what we're supposed to be focused on. Yeah. We're basically to believe <laughs> that his back is destroyed, but we don't have to tell my family that. Okay. They can just watch along like fans at home. And if I get, if I take a bag hit, They'll be surprised like everybody else. We can keep them out of this. They, they don't need to know the state of my <laughs> Nakamura. <laughs> Nakamura is aware of his health history, but Becky would not be. <laughs> Becky missed that interview with Logan Paul. He just she thinks his back is fine. So, well, anyway. well, well, yeah, whatever. Yes. Nakamura. I actually really like the spot where he goes for the Kinshasa. It stopped with a super kick, but then Nakamura rolls for the arm bar and changes to a triangle and Rollins tries to deadlift him, but he can't, he can't deadlift him up because of the back and he collapses. I thought this was a really convincing submission tease, but then he postures and finally slams him out. Then they battle on the turnbuckle. Nakamura hits a landslide off the turnbuckle for a near fall. Rollins is screaming in pain. Can, uh, then they're showing the replay right as Nakamura hits a Kinshasa. Then goes for another, but Rollins can't get up. He's collapsed. So out of nowhere, he lands a pedigree, but can't go for the cover. The stomp gets avoided. Nakamura goes for the cover, and Rollins rolls out and hits the stomp. Rolls on top of Nakamura in 25 minutes and 57 seconds, retaining the title. And Nakamura is pissed. He's pacing around the ring afterward. Certainly gave you the sense that this this one might be followed up on. 
and yeah, uh, we, we'll see. Like it's it's not like it's a it's a big show. The next pay per view they have, it it would not shock me if they continued this. But they did go with the the pinfall ending, so they could also wrap this one up. But what did you think of the match? Yeah. Uh, so by the way, uh, Nakamura did attack Rollins after payback. So um, as as Rollins was making his way to the back, it so looked I, like they were going to do something because he was just pacing, and I almost thought we were going to get the uh, the Paul Levesque, the credits come up, and then mm-hmm. he goes for him. But they went off the air before he attacked them. And you know what? That's kind of encouraging. I mean, clearly, whether or not that was the plan, they saw enough life in this Shinsuke Nakamura character for them to build to a rematch. And um, the possibility of a title change, I think, still very much exists. So I'm curious to see how they evolve and, and continue to build on this very like winning formula for Shinsuke Mudo Nakamura. versus Rollins. Um, <laughs> Probably not. Yeah, Mudo versus Rollins. Um, I'm curious that maybe Kij, was Kijimoto here for a reason? Was he here having meetings in the back? You know, do we see, uh, I don't think he, he was doing stuff. I think he came for this. Uh, I don't know what else they would have been talking with him about. Can he pass on the gimmick to Shinsuke Nakamura? I don't the great, the great Mura. Nakamura doesn't need the, uh, yeah, he, he, he's doing fine. He's doing great. These last four weeks have been the best four weeks of his WWE career. You're right. Let's not, right. let's not mess with it. I thought but it was, I, yeah, I, I, I like the match overall. I, I, Put in like my my issues I had at different points of it. Mm-hmm. You could argue like this late in the show, like 26 minutes with Nakamura in the stage. But man, I think the handling of Nakamura has been excellent. I really love the intro and, th- and they had a story for this match. So it kind of comes down to how much you were into the story here and trying to convince you of Nakamura being a threat to this championship. But um, not my match of the show, but I I would probably put it like third. I'd put this behind the cage match and the street fight. Um, yes, like I a agree. comfortable third out of six. Yeah, yeah, and I don't. I think depending on like what your expectations were heading into this, that might be a little disappointing. You know, when you see it's a Seth Rollins main event with the Shinsuke Nakamura that feels like you know the hottest he's been since he's been on the main roster. I at least I certainly had higher expectations. I think, and I, I agree, it was a good match overall. I thought they did a good job with the backstory, but. I'm a little disappointed that I didn't think that there was any significant moment in the match where I actually felt like Nakamura was about to win. And with a build this good, I actually consider that a little bit of a disappointment because I thought the title change was very much in play. So the fact that they we didn't really get like a big false finish throughout this, a little bit disappointing to me. I have seen better matches from both men. I've seen better matches worked around the back. Um, again, very good. But maybe I I just had a slightly higher expectations. So hopefully they can answer that in what looks to be a rematch between the two. Yeah, I'm I'm encouraged by that of how you come back with this. You would assume at the fast lane show that they have uh, coming up next. But that was payback. Um, it, it was a long show. I I do feel the like again three and a half hours and six matches like that works out to like a like over 30 minutes per match that you have blocked out, which is insane. Um, As we so talk about all, all out tomorrow, which will definitely not be a three at, you know, will be, you know, at, at that rate, if, if each match was given 30 minutes or so, we would be uh, having a seven and a half hour show tomorrow night. <laughs> Thankfully we're not. Yeah. Do you want to quickly go through the, the card here before we uh, sign off? So this well, we have the, some feedback. Do we have feedback? Okay. Uh, we have some. Uh, oh, at least we have a super chat. Actually, we have two super chats here. One of which, apologies, everybody. Uh, this show got. Um, uh, we had some technical issues, so we this this show is split into two parts. But we had a super chat earlier from Ryan G, who sent fifteen dollars. Thank you very much, Ryan. Thank he you, says, Ryan. Thanks for the continued great coverage and insight into all things pro wrestling. Likely, unlikely, Punk is brought into Survivor Series later this year in Chicago. 
Mm, I'll, I'll say unlikely on that one. Yeah, I mean, um, certainly audiences might be chanting his name that particular evening, but um, we know, don't know anything about the status of a non-compete. Um, I'm also going to say unlikely at this point. Okay, we got another super chat here. It comes to us from. Uh, let me. I, this one I can actually bring up. Nice Salmons, who sends five dollars to say, "Look in my eyes. What do you see?" Fired from the company. So much anger, killing your dreams. I've insulted everyone on TV. Oh, fired from the company. Yes. Okay. okay. Um, I mean, I don't. I don't like. I'm. I'm reading it because it's a super chat, but I. It also kind of feels shitty to make fun of somebody for you know getting fired. Um, it's. This is a shitty situation all around. It, it's, it's shitty for everybody involved. It's shitty for AEW. It's shitty for, you know, professional wrestling. So like yeah. in like when you look back at at what he meant when he came in and that that year that I don't think is going to be forgotten. Like it was, you know, there there were things brewing and such, but it was a great year that he had in front of the camera and you know, reignited his his interest in professional wrestling and made a meaningful difference to an upstart company and that this should have been um, a tremendous comeback story for CM Punk and a second half of his career after all those years away from professional wrestling. And it's probably like this AEW chapter, I do think it's probably going to be soured by this last year. Um, and, and what the future holds... Uh, I mean, that is ultimately going to be it's not even in his court necessarily. It's going to be um, many, many factors. But I think we're getting ahead of ourselves because um, it remains to be seen. Uh, and just a note, everybody, I dropped the call in link into the YouTube chat room right now because, of course, we had to um, start a new stream for the second portion. That means the old link is inactive. So if you're watching this right now live, look in the YouTube chat room for today's call in link. And let's start, start things off here with our feedback from Andy B. Hey, Andy, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Hi, Andy. Um, so, guys, I, I think um, there's a little bit of bad management at play here with T T Tony Khan, and I'm one of the biggest CM Punk fans in the world. However, if you are creating a bad working environment for everybody at that company, I can't I can't defend you anymore. Right? Like, you've made the right call. It's best for all parties to move on. And like you guys said, I'm sure it will sting in the short term, but I have enough faith in AEW's creative that they'll eventually find a way to make things work. And... Um, even, um, you know, I have more respect for Tony Khan for taking a stand at a time when he potentially has uh, contract renewals coming up. So um, yeah, that was something I wanted to touch on. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I I, I completely feel like um, there are several people to blame and Tony Khan, I think, deserves a lot of it. You know, a lot of the situation is his creation. Um, you can argue most of it is, is part of his creation. So, you know, and that's why I think he wanted to go out there and take responsibility tonight so that he, you know, could justifiably mm, be the person that the audience can get angry at. And he deserves a lot of it. Yeah. And guys, on a payback note, I just wanted to ask you guys about Rhea Ripley because every week on Raw, I think she's one of the more compelling parts of television because I think the Judgment Day storyline has been pretty consistently entertaining. But I think it's very difficult to put her in matches because she's kind of like the prime Golden State Warriors, whereas she is the dominant force, but like the fans want to see her win. 
So I, I'm not sure how exactly you go about booking an opponent for her because if you book somebody who's an underdog to um, Rio Ripley, like the fans aren't getting behind the underdog because they want to see Rio Ripley beat them up. It's going to be a huge challenge, you know, all the way until you have somebody like a Becky Lynch, who I think they're saving her for, you know, for a WrestleMania. Um, you saw somebody like a Zelina, you know, be able to, um, I think, make a great match um, out of her run because she had the hometown sort of crowd behind her. They could probably find similar ways. And beyond that, they'll have to do a better job, you know, building up their baby faces for sure. Uh, thank you so much. Guys. Have a good one. Thank you, Andy. Let's go up next to Rohan. Hi, Rohan. Welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? Doing well. Good. Hey. Yeah, so I'm joining from India, and uh, the whole, I just woke up to the whole CM Punk thing. Oh, what mm-hmm. happened? Uh, oh, the the thing that he got fired and everything, and it was a big news uh, like on Twitter. But, oh, uh, really? I, like, so what would happen? What's happening is that in India, uh, maybe people watch Dynamite mostly because of Punk, and now Collision mostly because of Punk, because Punk joining was a very big thing. Because mm-hmm. that is uh, somewhere of a main relatable star, and uh, as far as like Daniel Bryan and Moxley are concerned, they have not been positioned that well uh, as of in the past. Right now, in the recent past, so maybe that will hurt the international market for AW. I think, being that CM Punk is gone. Oh, it'll hurt markets everywhere. I'm sure, Rohan. You know. But clearly, this was like something that they were considering and that they were willing to part with. Um, so yeah, I know. I mean, the whole situation, if you think of it, that these are like 40 year old men, they are fighting more these things. Uh, all of this could have been avoidable, even going back to the last year when all out. I think a physical brawl could have been avoided. What happened at that press conference could have been avoided. It's just about keeping your calm, but I don't think punks uh, are good at that. And do you think there's a future with WWE as far as Punk is concerned? It, it has I to be an option, so. it, it, but it, it comes down to ultimately if if the company wants to engage, and and if Punk is continuing, like does does he want to uh, go back with, with WWE? It was a very unceremonious exit for him. Like mentally, does does he want to go back? Um, you know, he's he's in a he's in a position he doesn't need to do a, any of that. So it's 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 going to come down to to both sides and i would i would think that if cm punk is going to wrestle again that's probably your only option unless he just wants to do it for the pure love of doing a match at a greatly reduced rate from what he has been uh what he has been earning these number of years yeah i think there's always going to be a chance um and I also feel like WWE, you know, despite history, and I think that was a long time ago, and I think a lot's happened since. You know, he had the Fox gig. Um, we hear he um, went to backstage to chat with friends. Um, I I wouldn't be surprised if, if people in the WWE felt like they'd be able to control CM Punk and have him on a certain leash that AEW wasn't able to have. And whether or not they're right about that, I don't know. We'll see. But I could at least see them taking that risk um, because they have a very different system. So, but I I think it's ironic that uh, you know punk the summer of punk in 2011 when he was complaining about everything is so scripted and the people don't have much creative control and that's what has bit him in the ass right now in uh, AW that people have too much too much creative control they went for business for themselves and that kind of really what stirred the pot everywhere like something that uh, he complained about like that the bucks were leaking information to the media i don't think that happens ever in the wwe because see wwe also i think has a backstage and it would have 
people and there will be disagreements but it's not too public mm-hmm. it's never too public but AEW has a constant habit of leaking things and all of this politicking backstage is making news so like uh, maybe they should also have a control on what goes out to the media and the dirt sheets thank you rohan appreciate the call yeah thank you I don't know if it's as uh, cut and dry as that but uh, nonetheless um let's continue on here we have a super chat here from DJ Depression, who sends $5 to say, The fault for this situation is on TK. There was drama before Punk, releases without telling people, Thunder Rosa, and there will be drama to come. Um, I mean, there, there's people that are going to uh, assess the situation how, however they want. But at this point, like, w- what more can you do other than this is all, that's all in the past at this point. All you can do is operate from what is what is the best course of action moving forward. And they felt this was the best course of action to if you can't fix the problem remove the problem let's go up next to jay colinar who i believe was at collision tonight hey jake hey guys i just uh, arrived home uh, from the arena uh, after a very surreal uh, live experience uh that i'd never thought i don't think i've ever ex- uh, been a part of before um yeah being especially being on the floor uh during the whole thing and i was literally coming out of a panel discussion a panel show from jeff jared and conrad thompson when uh, when I first saw the tweet and then I, I, I having a little bit of a conversation with, uh, ironically, the Brock Lesnar guy, uh, Michael, who I'm uh, just talking a little bit with. And then we both found out at the same time. And uh, yeah, so that's when what I did decided. Brock Lesnar guy think. <laughs> uh, I mean, he was uh, he was pretty upset, too. And he also noted that uh, some blame should be deserved, should be uh, given to to Jack Perry as well, which uh, I don't, well, which uh, I don't disagree with uh, at times uh, because um, he, he has his faults as well, but uh, yeah, but we were both like pretty shocked, uh, not surprised, but uh, we all saw this coming. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, especially um, going to the event and seeing, seeing Tony Khan uh, coming out there possibly in his most vulnerable that I've ever seen. Uh, but the thing is, is that I'm, I'm really happy that he decided that he decided to do this. I mean, yes, I wish I c- he could have at least like done a better job last year uh, as far as like being, being more transparent, but I really do appreciate he decided to take a few minutes uh, before the show to at least have some honesty uh, with the audience and not every one of us booed, uh, which is, which is kind of a little bit of a uh, pleasant surprise uh, for me. You know, there's a couple of people behind me, a couple like several people behind me uh even clapping and applauding uh, about what he's done and especially at the end of his speech uh definitely uh got uh end on a lighter note as far as the audience was concerned too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. cool any other uh interesting notes that we, we, you think we should know about from uh yeah yeah i'll definitely say that uh even though that we uh the crowd was definitely in a more like conflicting and uh and bit of a rough spot i'll definitely say uh Spoiler alert, uh, Danielson uh, coming back uh, to finally to uh, have that match uh, with Ricky Starks uh, tomorrow. Uh, definitely lifted our spirits up, which is uh, pretty cool. And uh, and uh, I'm really happy that uh, with this crowd, it uh, it wasn't a full hijacking, which I, I knew it wasn't going to be. But especially, but uh, comparing to that Raw when Paul Heyman came out and it was a full full hijack with punk chance uh, all show long um i'm really i'm really happy that uh this crowd is more understanding and with the amount of great talent and wrestling uh kind of like uh just ignore and then to decide to move on with that type of uh, attitude right there so yeah it's basically my a little bit of a recap right there 
are you expecting many moments of uh you know i guess uh punk hijacking or at least seeing punk chance throughout uh, tomorrow and and if so what what moments of the show would you expect that i don't really expect it uh that much maybe a couple of uh dueling chants with uh, especially in my section uh, tonight there was a couple of dueling chants uh, with a uh, Colca band and cm punk which is a little bit of a little, a little bit of amusing uh and uh, to be honest with you but uh maybe uh probably not too much which i'm really uh, uh really pleased about so but yeah that's basically all i got to hear and uh thank goodness i'm gonna uh, take a little bit of uh, some rest because i'm gonna see a quadra tomorrow tomorrow morning at starcast so <laughs> that's gonna amazing. be pretty fun as well Thanks, Jake. Enjoy that. Thank you so much, Jake. Appreciate the call. All right. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate it. All right. We have uh, three more calls here, and I'm going to request everybody to maybe be a bit more brief with uh, their thoughts because we will be back tomorrow night, of course, and this is already a bit of a longer show. So let's start things off here with Brian. Hey, Brian. Good evening, guys. Yeah, I I was able to catch the last hour of payback after collision ended, and uh, as soon as I switched over to Peacock, there was Cody, and... Thought the uh, Jey Uso announcement was pretty big, and I thought the main event was good was a good match. And uh, I'll go back tomorrow morning to uh, watch the cage match and most likely the street fight. And uh, yeah, and the punk news that just had to be done at this point. I mean, when just everything that's happened, it just had to be done. So mm-hmm. I I think this company will persevere through that. I mean, hard to gauge business, but who knows? But uh. <laughs> Danielson coming in once again to fill a spot once Punk leaves the company was uh, quite something. So, And his uh, timetable worked out almost exactly what he guessed that, that night at the press conference after how, Forbidden Door. How, how is a bone able to hear the heel like that that, that quickly? That's, that's really ama- amazing, honestly, like that he's able to make this comeback and, and do a strap match no less. So obviously he wasn't supposed to be on the show, I would think, right? No. You know? So Obviously not. Uh, are they are they just you know going to work around it or what? But I, I mean, mean, they said it was cleared. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I don't know. Um, and yeah. you're and you're you're just talking about John Cena coming back uh, so soon at the 2008 Royal Rumble too. So mm-hmm. bit of a mirror there. Okay. Have a good night, guys. Thank Thanks, you, Brian. Brian. You know the rating for for Collision tonight. I think will be really interesting, right? You know because you're, it's going up against Payback. But I certainly had more interest in what was going on in Collision coming off of everything with the uh, CM Punk. So I'm very curious. If this I would say if it, if it maintains, like last week they did a 0.16 and going against a WWE show, it's, it's still going to hurt. But um, yeah, there was definitely, I think like this is, you know, that, that coming out, that news so close to collision. Um, yeah. There, there will probably be a lot of like heightened interest. Punk is going to draw them one more number on the way out. All right, let's go quickly to Muggin. Hey, what's up? Purple rain. Judgment Day is dripping in gold right now, but I think it's, it's yeah, but, it's, but I think it's going to be a temporary thing because you know Priest is still money is still holding the briefcase, and I think that's that's going to be that's going to be the end of them at some point. The street fight was it was a street fight was crazy shit, and uh, man, Kevin Owens was the MVP in that match, and uh, it took like I mean of course you know it, it had the usual Judgment Day fuckery, but I mean it, it was uh, but it helped the match. It did. It, it mm-hmm. definitely did, and. Um, yeah, it's cool that all Judgment Day is holding the gold, and uh, more on Dominic, more on Dominic in a second. Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus bodied it in the in that cage match. It was yeah, I wasn't too I wasn't too hot about the feud, but man, like they ended it on a high note, and it dovetails nicely because you know Becky Lynch Becky Lynch is finally going to segue into a program with Tiffany Stratton, and that's definitely a match that they're going to do for No Mercy, you know, because I think that they're going to set that up on Tuesday, and uh, 
between that and uh, Dominic Mysterio and uh, in Bakersfield, I think that those are two surefire matches to uh, fill up uh, Bakersfield in No Mercy. And so, and you know, and I think Dominic needs to like you know lose the North American Championship because he's, you know, NXT can't go on with one t- less title right now. And um, mm. overall, I mean, payback was uh, payback, payback delivered better on in execution than on paper because on paper didn't really look that didn't really look as appealing as like you know the bigger you know B level shows like Backlash or whatever. But I mean, this was definitely it was definitely a thumbs up show you know despite that. Seems to be usually the case, you know, if, if it was, like with shows coming off of lackluster build. So. Yeah, and uh, Nakamura, Nakamura looked the best he's looked in forever. I mean, that that anime intro, that anime intro was just so good. It was yeah. so good. It was great. Thank you so much, Mulligan. Appreciate the call. All right. Let's go finally to Hanzi. Hey, Hanzi. <laughs> I was, I was going to do a whole bit where I had your logo in the background and like breaking news from the post wrestling control center, but it, it it was too bright. I was like, you know, it's too late for this kind of stuff. But um, uh, no, I, was, I didn't get to I didn't get to watch Collision yet. But um, uh, no, a payback I I did enjoy, but I, I can't lie, I was looking to see him punk news. I do I I I, I, was, I know I know I, I try to get away from this. I, I hate myself for even diving in. Like every every day, it's something about CM Punk. It's like, dude, it, it's like it's it's like uh, I'm forced to hear this now because it's like it's like always hearing about Donald Trump and shit. I just I just don't want to hear about this guy for like a bit. At least like nothing controversial. But holy crap, man! I, I just it's too much for me in, in this era of like constant like you know politicians doing whatever crazy thing to like get news. You know what I mean? But. I thought the show itself was uh, pretty decent. I, I I like the main event. I, I I'm with you guys. Like sometimes when they do some of the stuff with Seth doing injury angles, he still does moves that I go. It's kind of like it's hard to suspend your disbelief that his his back is injured, but he's doing all these moves at times. I'm not saying you can't do it all the time, but it's like sometimes like it, it defeats the point, defeats the purpose of like selling your back if you can do all these moves like you know out, you know out of nowhere and stuff like that but i mean it is what it, but i guess for this is probably nakamura's most uh prominent match in a while where he had, not just that he had a good match he felt like he was like yeah, a big deal and uh i i hope it, it continues with them or something like that um but with the cold yeah so i like becky and trish uh the rest of the stuff was decent um so I was watching on delay, so I didn't get to see the Grayson Waller show. So I only saw the Jimmy Uso part, Jay Uso part. But I'm gonna leave you with this. Do you guys think that um, I was gonna say that like um, instead of just going for the world title, maybe Jay Uso could be the one that enter um, you know, ends Gunther's uh, title reign, and that could put him over. But I also think that, you know, a long term, would you guys prefer that, or would you prefer that maybe he beat Seth Rollins, and then because they're keeping him away from Jimmy Uso. Maybe for WrestleMania, a world, you know, the Usos could main event night one again as as Jey Uso as the world champion. I don't know what you guys think about that. I'll leave you guys to that. I'll call you guys tomorrow. N- now I have to get the pay per view because of the whole controversy stuff. So, um, so I'll they see just you suck you back in, Hanzi. You can't you can't give it up. How did the controversy make you want to watch the pay per view? Because now I'm going to be interested if, like, Tony Khan, like, gets reactionary and goes, okay, now we got to bring in the big guns or, so, or something like that. Or if the crowd noise is going to go. And, and at okay. the same time, listen, I, I know the discourse um, overshadows, but at the same time, I do want to see Orange Cassidy versus John Moxley. I think this has probably been yeah. one of the best title reigns in AEW history. And, you know, I've been waiting for the title reign to end, even though I, I, I was going to say they're going to keep it on him for a year. But, um... If Moxley beats them, I think that'll be dope. I know there's gonna be a bunch of because Mo- again, there's a bunch of CM Punk uh, 
fandom on online, right? That what they're called, whatever, because Moxley was one of the guys that he had like a beef with. So now, whenever Moxley does anything, it's like, oh, he's complete and utter shit. So, like, you, if you if you ignore ignore that as a discourse, then like it's you know, I still like Moxley. I think he's there's a, a lot of wrestler. discourse on the internet you should ignore. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, my, my bad. But um, yeah, so I'll leave now. But like, uh, your thoughts if Jey Uso should win the IC or the world title? Peace out, guys. Thanks Thank you, Hansi. Appreciate it. Um, hmm. I don't think it just this juncture. He, I, I think the match is him and Jimmy, and I don't, I don't think it really needs a title in there. Um, that would that would be my thought. I mean, Same. if he really catches fire, then you can entertain that idea. But I personally. Like you could have it as a goal and he's one of the contenders in the rumble, but I think you get to him and Jimmy and I, I don't think he needs to be over a title. I think the match is enough that you're going to do that as a first time match. And I think tonight's move, you would think that they're holding it off potentially to a mania of, of some kind of magnitude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm still not completely sold on Jey Uso um, as a single star outside of the bloodline yet. Like anything he's done with Roman, I think has been very good, except with the exception of maybe like SummerSlam not living up to, I think, pretty lofty expectations. But I think he's still largely unproven as a single star with anybody well, else. Well, this run on Raw will will show if he can hang with uh, separate from the bloodline. Like it's, it's a bit of a test then. So to, so to suggest him for any sort of like prominent title role, even an IC title role, which is pretty high right now coming off of Gunther, I might be a little bit premature. So he has to kind of prove something to me to make me feel like he'd be worthwhile, to, you know, for a guy to, to follow Gunther. Um, that's it. Those are all uh, no no written feedback today. Unfortunately, uh, no time for a thread right now. Uh, those are our calls. Do you have anything else you want to say, John? Let's uh, just what they've added to all out for tomorrow. Of course, there was the strap match with Brian Danielson and Ricky Starks. And then for the pre-show, we have the acclaimed and Billy Gunn against Jeff Jarrett, Sutton, Singh and Jay Lethal with Dennis Rodman in the corner of the acclaimed an over the budget battle Royal a throwback to the very first all in and Athena, Mercedes Martinez and Diamante against Hikaru Shida, Willow Nightingale and Sky Blue. So that is what so Athena made it after all. But in a multi Athena made it, yes, but not Billy Starks. So thirteen okay. matches on uh, on the docket for Sunday night. So we will chat with you. We'll be live after the main event, and that is going to uh, wrap up our show. Thank you to Brandon Thurston. Thank you to John Cena. All of you calling in and tuning in live. Uh, we apologize for the hiccup earlier, but uh, thanks for everyone that uh, found the second stream. And that is it for us. Our payback review is now complete. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc